Welcome back to another week's edition of Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920 The Answer in Atlanta. My name is Cleve Gaddis. You're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio, where we help listeners go from real estate novices to experts so home selling and buying can be done with total confidence and without all the worry that's typical with life's biggest investments. In this first segment of the show, what if you bought a home 40, 50 years old and in the first six months you started smelling not a very pleasant odor from the toilet, from the tub, from the front yard. And what if you realized that you could have and probably should have done something to prevent that? Wouldn't you be upset? We've got our mes- a residential real estate update in Metro Atlanta for the last seven days. And then in our Something You Should Know About Atlanta segment, which is my favorite segment of the show every single week. I hope it's yours, too. We're going to cover Fern Bank Museum, 3D Theater, 3D Theater and Forest. Again, you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio. We want you to know everything you should know about buying and selling homes. You should learn it all before closing. We don't want you to learn anything at closing or after. Remember, we want to connect with you. It's easy to do that. Go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. You can ask questions. You can make comments. You can push back. You can share ideas. You can ask for your specific neighborhood to be featured in our neighborhood spotlight we'd love you to do that in fact that's how we get most of the neighborhoods we focus uh, feature every single week and you can subscribe to our podcast if you like listening to the show do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast it's really helpful to us to have more podcast subscribers we probably had thirty thousand podcast listens in the last 10 or 12 months and we'd love to see that number grow so if you're not a podcast subscriber Go to gogaddisradio.com, click on podcast. You can subscribe on all of the major podcasting platforms. What's happening over the last seven days in Metro Atlanta, it is still five weeks into our new year of 2022. Last week, there was 1,639 new listings that came on the market in Metro Atlanta. Listen to this, though. Remember, those of you who listen I'm always hoping that the number that go under contract will be a little lower than the number of new listings. And last week, it was out of whack big time. It was almost 800 more homes that went under contract. So 1,639 new listings for the week, 2,347 homes went under contract. So that's really closer to 700 homes. 2,347 homes went under contract for the week. That's a very, very active and busy market. 1,564 closings. It's not unusual for the number of closings on a weekly basis to be a little low January and February because you had a lot of closings in November and December, but you had less contracts, less homes put under contract in November and December. That typically turns around. Once you get into March, you see the closing numbers starting to climb. As we normally do, I want to give you the number of homes that had a price decrease in the last week, 558. So if you're looking for a home and you think there are no sellers out there that are motivated, who are really motivated to negotiate with you, who are willing to be flexible, willing to negotiate terms that make sense to you, I would say that those 558 sellers certainly would fit that profile. And if you're looking for a home in Metro Atlanta and you're not finding what you're looking for, or you're finding it, but you're realizing by the time you get there that somebody else has already bought it, then you could be looking for the wrong properties. And what if you asked your agent, if he or she were willing to do this, to send you a list in your geographic area of every home that had a price decrease, regardless of whether or not it met your search criteria? We had a client not too long ago 
we set them up on our motivated seller index, which is exactly what I just described. They were looking in the Lawrenceville area. We sent the husband and wife listings in the Lawrenceville area, and a lot of them did not meet their criteria. They didn't fit what they were looking for. And so what happened was we sent something that was at a lower price that was in a worse condition, but the location was absolutely perfect, and they were able to buy that home, put some additional money into that home because they had a little extra money they could use after closing and have the home of their dreams, basically, and they were able to buy it because we identified the property for them as a property that the seller was probably more motivated to sell than they originally thought. So what's going on in the market? We need more listings. If you're thinking of selling your home, you're trying to time the market. Now might be the right time to do that. Each week, we pick one feature, one location or significant venue in Metro Atlanta. And we hope you as a listener of this show learn more about it. We believe that people who live in Atlanta, for the most part, are not from Atlanta. Uh, I say there are 700 of us native Atlantans. There's certainly a lot more than that. But there are way more people who live in Atlanta who are not from Atlanta than who live in Atlanta. So we want to make sure that you know everything you need to know about all of the cool things to see and do and participate in in Metro Atlanta. And this week, we are featuring Fernbank Museum. I It was called the Fernbank Science Center, I believe, when I was growing up. I went to school in DeKalb County until I was in sixth grade, and then I moved to Gwinnett County. But Fernbank is one of the most popular and iconic cultural attractions in Atlanta. It is home to the world's largest dinosaurs, Atlanta's biggest movie screen, and one of the largest assemblages of urban Piedmont forest in the United States. In the late 1800s, a young woman saw an irreplaceable treasure in the vastly shrinking woodlands of Atlanta, and Atlanta still got trees everywhere. And this naturalist, whose name was Emily Harrison, led the charge to preserve 65 acres of forest in the shadows of city expansion and neighborhood development. As an adult, she dreamed of maintaining the forest as a school in the woods for nature study. And I'm telling you, I can remember making many, many trips to the Fernbank Science Center as a kid, and I love them. They had the, uh, whatever it is, the um, uh, the arena, amphitheater, whatever it is, where you could look up and see all the stars. And it was totally fascinating. I think I've got that right. I think that was <clears throat> the location. It was absolutely fascinating. The Fernbank Museum may be the only natural history museum, history museum to grow out of a forest after nearly 100 years of inspiration and decades of planning. Ground was broken in 1989 for a natural history museum that would fulfill Ms. Harrison's dream of a school in the woods. There are some cool things going on there. Just some couple tips that opened its doors in 1992. Fernbank Museum opened it. So Fernbank Science Center and Fernbank Museum are two different things. I don't know that I even knew that. Fernbank is accredited with the American Alliance of Museums. Uh, in 2001, Fernbank became the first museum to display the world's largest dinosaurs. Um, lots of good, good things. In July of 2020, Smithsonian Magazine recommended Fernbank as one of seven places to get outside this summer. It's located at 767 Clifton Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30307 in Druid Hills, if you've never been there, I suggest you put the Fernbank Museum, 3D Theater, Forest, and the Fernbank Science Center on your to-do list. And if there is no such thing as a Fernbank Science Center anymore, I apologize to you. I am giving you history, of giving you facts on Atlanta, or I'm giving you details on Atlanta as I remember them. 
If you just joined us, you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920, The Answer, Atlanta's own The Answer. What if you bought a home in the last 12 months and started smelling something gross coming from your toilet, your tub, your yard, and it turns out that the main sewer line was failing in your 50-year-old home? Could this have been revealed early prior to purchasing? Would you feel stupid for not researching more fully? Well, we've got a listener question from Michael in Lithonia. It says, we bought an old home. And we knew we would have issues with the systems, but never in our wildest dreams did we think we would need to replace the sewer line. Could this have been avoided? And the answer is yes. In fact, we had a situation where we had home buyers. Let's see, they sold a home in um, they sold a home in Duluth. They bought a home not too far from the Fernbank Museum and Science Center, so in the Decatur area. The location was wonderful. There was an amazing elementary school district in the area that they wanted to get into. And within six months, they started having problems with their sewer line. Now, in their case, it was like an old terracotta sewer line. So you've got a lot of sewer lines that are made of concrete or that are certainly not the PVC material that we use today. And sometimes those start to crack and roots get in the sewer line. And sometimes they just crush. We've seen the concrete pipes, the ones that they just kind of stuff one end onto, on, onto the other out to connect you to the public sewer system, and they just fail. And so how do you avoid this? Well, I think if you are buying a home that was built prior to the, let's just say, 1970s, and for you home inspectors who listen, I would love for you to go to gogaddisradio.com and tell me what the cutoff is. When did they use sort of old-style um, sewer lines and when did they go to a new style of PVC? It doesn't mean that PVC will never fail. I just think its its failures are less common. But there are plumbers and there are many, many of plumbers that will scope the lines and you say, what does that mean? Well, they'll run a camera down one of the drains in the house and try to run it all the way to where it connects into the public sewer at the street. And there's a little light and you can see roots in there. You can see misshapen Sewer pipes, you can see all kinds of things that you probably would not rather, probably prefer not to see uh, in a sewer pipe, but you can see for sure whether or not you're going to have any problems or you've got anything that would restrict the flow of something out of your house that you absolutely positively want to make sure is out of your house. Michael, if you've got any more questions about that, reach out to us, 770-497-00. Zero, zero. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Birchfield and Capital City Home Loans. John makes it his mission to guide each home buyer step by step through the entire loan process so they are educated and confident in the mortgage options available and can make the best decisions along the way. John can be reached by calling 678-226-7887. 678-226-7887. If you're looking to sell your home anytime in the next three to six months, we believe we could sell your house for $28,000 more than your neighbor sold their home for. How does that work? Well, we give you a customized maximum value plan where we help you understand the exact maximum price you can get for your house. And sometimes we can even get a little bit more. And it comes with a $15,000 concierge rehab and refresh budget where we will help invest in your property to improve the condition so you can sell it for the most money. Go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. Click on sell for $28,000 more. Give us a little bit of information. I'll reach out to you myself. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Reverend Melanie Connor, the Chief Executive Officer of Rainbow Village in Duluth, will be with us. Stick with us because you're going to want to hear this story. 